Welcome to Rich in Relationship. Today, we're talking to Professor Everett Worthington about the power of forgiveness. Hi, it's Rich Heller at Rich in Relationship, and I'm with Professor Everett Worthington. And Professor Everett Worthington is a PhD. He's a Commonwealth professor, emeritus, excuse me for my mispronunciation, working from the Department of Psychology at Virginia Commonwealth University. He holds a faculty affiliate appointment at the Institute for Quantitative Social Sciences, Faculty of Arts and Sciences, Harvard University. He continues to be active in research and speaking around the world. He is a licensed clinical psychologist in Virginia. He has published over 40 books and 475 articles in scholarly chapters, mostly on forgiveness, humility, positive psychology, marriage and family topics, and religion and spirituality. Professor Worthington, welcome to the podcast. How are you today? I'm good. Good to be with you, Rich. It's great to have you. And I got excited about your work originally. Um, I'm a conflict coach, uh -huh. and I was noticing that uh, a lot of the clients I was working with were really jammed up on forgiveness. And um, you know, the only context I had for forgiveness was my personal experience, which might not apply to everyone. And so I thought someone has to be doing work on this. And, and I found a um, audio book that was a series of lectures that you had put out on forgiveness. And I was like, this guy is brilliant. I gotta talk to him. And so I'm so honored to have you here. Yeah, well, it's good to be with you. And I'm glad you found the book. So professor, please tell us, how did you get interested in forgiveness? Well, I'm a Christian, so that uh, gave me, a, you know, an interest right off the bat. But really, professionally, I got into it because I was doing couple counseling. So uh, back when I first became a professor, back in the 1970s, and I was, uh, you know, I got licensed and then had a kind of a part-time private practice where I saw nothing but couples. And I noticed very quickly that couples, almost every one, it boiled down to a forgiveness issue if they were gonna have any success with their relationship. So that's what got me into it. I wrote a little clinical article in 1990 and a student came along and entered that uh, fall. Uh, my, named Mike McCullough. He was interested in doing research on it. And so Mike started, you know, running over to the library just back when you had to go to the library to read things, uh, you know, but Mike would go to the library, get these obscure articles, bring them to me. I would nod very sagely as if I understood. And then as soon as, you know, he left, I would go over and get the article and read it and try to figure out what's going on. At any rate, uh, after Mike, uh, he was followed by a number of people that were interested in studying forgiveness. Steve Sandage, who's at Boston University now, uh, Jennifer Ripley, who's at Regent University, and uh, uh, a bunch of graduate students. We've been doing research in forgiveness ever since. Got it. Got it. And um, I, I started actually from the same point, working with with couples or who were in distress. Um, but what I found really fascinating when I listened to your audiobook were the benefits that forgiveness can have for anyone, whether you're in a relationship or not. Right. And I, I think I, 
our audience would love to know more about why forgiveness? Why not just hang on to your resentment and look and seek revenge? Yeah, right. Uh, successful revenge is very good at reducing, you know, our upsetness. It does provoke the person to retaliate and therefore sets up a interpersonal cycle. So it, it really turns out to be not very good. But forgiveness uh, does have uh, lots of benefits. And there's been a massive amount of research done on this. In 2015, we edited, uh, I, I and two other colleagues edited a book called Forgiveness and Health. And um, <clears throat> it uh, had uh, about 20 some odd scholars that reviewed the research on how forgiveness was beneficial for physical health for the most mm -hmm. part. Uh, it's related to better mental health. It of course is related to better relationships and a better sense of spirituality. Uh, all of these are documented by many studies and the mental health and relationship and spirituality, all of those lead back to even better physical health. So mm -hmm. there, there is uh, both a direct effect on people's physical health for forgiving and a negative effect if they hold on to grudges. And there's a, an effect that's an indirect effect moving through mental health relationships and spirituality. Well, I love that you're so positively focused. Uh, you, you speak um, very fluently about the well-being aspects. Would you mind if we just dipped into the negative for a moment? Sure. Uh, so I, I worked in, in the world of um, alcoholism and drug addiction for years. Uh -huh. And something that was very clear was that uh, alcoholics and drug addicts were it, highly unlikely to recover if they held on to resentment. And what I learned in that field is that when people hang on to resentment, it's actually physically toxic, not just emotionally toxic. Uh, and I think it might be helpful if our audience knew or, or learned about some of those qualities. Sure. Uh, so some of the things that have been found is if people hold on to grudges and and this is not just like holding on for a week, but this is like if they just nurture grudges uh, in their life over a period of years, uh, it is going to put them at risk for cardiovascular problems. So risk of stroke, of heart attack, of uh, you know, high blood pressure, uh, diabetes, things that come out of cardiovascular issues. It's going to put them at uh, risk for immune system dysfunctions. So mm -hmm. uh, even at the cellular level, people who are kind of highly unforgiving, their cells don't work in a, in a good way. Wow. Uh, it puts, you know, it creates a kind of a higher level of uh, stress hormone than cortisol, which most people have probably heard of. But cortisol affects every system of your body if you keep it elevated too much. Mm -hmm. It's a good thing for the short term for responding to stressors in the short term, but if we let it become chronic, it will affect our digestive system, our cardiovascular system, our immune system, our sexual reproductive system. It will shrink the uh, portion of our brain that's responsible for turning short-term memories into longer-term memories, which is uh, the hippocampus. 
Um, and it, it basically affects every system in the body. So, uh, you know, there, there are uh, chemical ways, there are, you know, electrical ways, there are a lot of ways that it affects people negatively if they hold on to unforgiveness. Okay, I got it. So there are actually some very severe negative impacts of holding on to resentment. And there are some really interesting positive impacts of releasing them and living in forgiveness. Right. And I know that you have done a lot of exploration into different uh, forgiveness systems and eventually evolved, I believe it's the REACH system. I, uh, tell us more about that journey, please. Well, uh, I developed uh, with, with students of mine and, and it, through my practice, I developed a, a method of helping people forgive that we call REACH forgiveness. So the REACH stands for five steps to getting to emotional forgiveness. So people can make a decision to forgive, but still be holding on to resentment and, uh, and, and, uh, and not have emotional forgiveness. Mm -hmm. But emotional forgiveness is R, recall the hurt, E, emotionally replace negative emotions with more positive emotions toward the person. Mm -hmm. A, give an altruistic gift of forgiveness, a gift the person does not deserve. People don't deserve forgiveness when they hurt us. So it's an, it's an altruistic act on our part to forgive. C, commit to the forgiveness that you experience. And H, hold on to that benefit uh, at, you know, whenever you doubt. So that REACH forgiveness model has been tested in over 30 randomized controlled uh, clinical trials around the world. Uh, it continues to be tested. We have a, a $1 million grant right now that is testing it in uh, Hong Kong. You can see some of these places have a lot of troubles going on. So Hong Kong, Indonesia, Ukraine, which is at war, two mm -hmm. sites in Ukraine, uh, Colombia, which has just kind of gone back into a hostile state, South Africa, which has its own troubles in the past and, and even in the present, and then Ghana. So uh, we're looking at a workbook uh, that is available, free, downloadable on my website to promote uh, forgiveness that people can just download and, and work through by paper and pencil or typing or or whatever and um, and I'm sure you can give the workbook uh, in writing or I mean the, the website address and writing a lot better than I can just blurt yeah, it out. No, I will certainly post the link uh, for the workbook with the podcast absolutely yeah absolutely and, and I will testify <laughs> that I have, I have, I have not only used the workbook, but I have shared it with numerous clients. Oh, good. I found it very effective. Good. Yeah, I think it is a, an amazing tool. And actually, one of the things that most impressed me is how you didn't just create this system or workbook in a void. Um, which, you know, we could, as people who believe in forgiveness, we could just do that and say, well, this is a good thing. But actually, what I love about you is that not only do you come from a place of your faith, but also as a scientist, you're very committed to validating that the tools work. It's yeah. not just, this is a good thing and, and you should do it. It's, <laughs> does this actually work? And 
and what are the benefits of doing it? And I, I, I'd love to hear more about how you validated the REACH system. And, and also, uh, additionally, what are the benefits of doing it um, individually? And is there any difference between that and doing it in a group or with a professional? Yeah, uh, so what the research shows is, um, you know, first of all, we did a, a, a procedure that's called a meta-analysis. And what that does is it statistically um, converts uh, all of the findings of research to a standard score. So you can compare them even if they use different measures. And we, had, we looked at all of the intervention studies that had ever been done on forgiveness. And one thing we found out was that all of those intervention studies, you know, in general work, you know, and help people forgive. And I wish that I could tell people that the REACH forgiveness model is the best one. But in fact, all of them are equally statistically uh, good. They all work. And so it seems like it's all really about seriously trying to forgive an individual act and then kind of generalizing that to other acts uh, again and again. So I can't really say, you know, the REACH model, the REACH forgiveness model is the best one. You should do that. But since they're all equal, there's no reason not to use the REACH model. You know, I mean, hey, what can I say? So, so the way that those studies get done uh, is either to take, to test people and then randomly assign them to a condition. And usually that condition can be getting uh, a, a treatment immediately while the other half of the people wait testing them again at the end of the treatment, which is like two weeks later, uh, and then giving the second group the treatment while this group waits. Mm -hmm. So that's one way of doing that. Another way is to compare two treatments head on head, you know, and randomly assign people to one treatment or the other. We've done that in a couple of different uh, cases. And basically, usually, the the treatments work, but they have different effects. So a treatment that focuses on changing your thinking, not surprisingly, changes people's thinking about forgiveness. Wow, is this science or what? <laughs> Our REACH forgiveness model, which is aimed at changing their emotional experience more than it is just their thinking, has more effects in changing emotion. So, uh, so both of them work and they, they work on the things that they aim to change more or less. So, you know, we felt that emotion is, you know, really important. So that's, that's what we try to focus on the most, the mo motivation and emotion. Uh, it sounds like the emotion is what drives it. And what I, the common thread here seems to be that once a person makes a decision or sets an intention, that um, resentment is really not a place they want to be, and that forgiveness is the road to where they, where they, how they want to live their life or how they want to feel. Once mm -hmm. they make that decision, the path, whether they choose someone else's system or yours, is less important. It's that, but it's that decision and that willingness to move forward. To some degree, now you know all of these treatments are treatments that have been made up and scientifically studied. 
so suppose that I said, well, read my book, you know, so I've got a, a bunch of books on forgiveness. That, that, would, that would help you read my book, spend eight hours reading my book. Well, it turns out, yes, that helps, but only about half as much as actually going through a treatment. Uh, so it's not just about spending time thinking about forgiveness, it's spending time trying to forgive something and, and kind of working on that. Now, earlier you asked what, um, you know, how do the different modalities, how the different ways of doing this, uh, is there any difference? And it turns out there is a difference. One-on-one uh, -on -one counseling is the most efficient way to, to uh, help people forgive. So the, there are slight statistically different amounts of gains over doing it in a, as an individual versus uh, doing it in, in a big group or us, even a small group. Doing it in a group is effective. Uh, and so uh, whether it's a group therapy or the reach forgiveness model or some other model, um, you know, doing it in a group is effective and will help people forgive. And uh, most of the research has been done in groups. Couple uh, is the couple treatments are kind of right in the middle between a group and, uh, and the individual. And if you think about the main finding, which is it's all about time spent trying to forgive, you can see that in a group, you're sharing a lot of that time. So you're not really concentrating on trying to forgive the whole time because you're listening to other people, which has its own benefits, mm -hmm. but you're not doing the thing that's going to help you forgive. Couples, you know, you're dealing with hot issues, uh, you know, but you're also sharing the floor. And so again, it cuts down on the time. So it makes a lot of sense that individual treatments help. Now these workbook treatments, you know, uh, where I've created these workbooks that people can work through, uh, it, it's looking like, and it, it's too early to tell, but it's looking like they are more effective than groups also. And, wow. and I think it's for the same reason, people, working through the workbook is are spending time on their own issue and that's where the action is <clears throat> may i ask you one more question about the forgiveness process yeah uh i'm curious i know that sometimes when people go through a process like reach they have some relief from their resentment <clears throat> excuse me but periodically it might bubble up again though not as intensively how would you suggest that people manage those, those outbreaks? Mm -hmm. uh, it, that's very common. So, you know, uh, we try to even address that within our, our program. And, and we, it's kind of like a metaphor. So one of the exercises we'll do in a group is to say, uh, take a black you know, pen or some kind of pen and write on your hand uh, a, a description of the hurt. And so a person might say abused, you know. So then we break and we say, go in the break, go wash that off. And so people will go wash it off. And then they come back and, and the group leader will say, now 
did everybody get it totally off? And there's inevitably two or three, four people in the group that say, well, you know, I can still kind of faintly see it. So mm -hmm. you got a lot of benefit, you know, but how are you going to get the rest of it off? Well, you could go back and wash it again, right? Mm -hmm. So one way to deal with that outbreak of, you know, a resurgence of resentment that comes about is suppose I've filled out a six hour workbook which is on my you know, website. And, and I, I feel like, okay, I'm pretty well forgiven this. And now it pops up again for some reason. And, you know, maybe I just start thinking about it on a particular holiday or something that, that uh, brings back a lot of memories and I feel a lot of resentment come back. Well, I could go get the two hour workbook and just kind of work through a quicker version. Try and wash that little bit off. That's right, yeah. So, you know, so repeating it is gonna help, but everybody doesn't necessarily have the patience to go through a six hour workbook again if they've gone through it once because it's too familiar. But we do have shorter workbooks, so then they can they can go through quicker. In the world of, um, of recovery, alcoholism and drug addiction again the suggestion they make to people when they are carrying a resentment is to pray for the other person uh, continuously to have everything they want and more and they and uh, you know naturally there are people who are agnostics or or even atheists and but generally what the, those people are told is look we don't care who you pray to <laughs> it's the process of, of praying of, of thinking positive thoughts or sending what you would want for yourself to them that's part of the healing process. And uh, many people have reported some success with that. I'm wondering what you think about that. I, I think it's a really good way of doing things. In fact, when we started, you know, the first clinical intervention that we made was with couples. And, and we would say to them, you know, it, it looks like y'all have worked hard on your communication, on your ability to resolve conflicts, on having more intimacy, but it still looks like you got a lot of hurts. And maybe we need to address forgiveness. And do you think that you know, that might be helpful? And almost everybody would say yes. And, uh, you know, what they're thinking is, boy, does he need forgiveness for what he's done to me. Well, you know, we kind of turned that around and we said, okay, good. So we'll, we'll deal with forgiveness next week. But so which, what I want you to do this week is each of you think about ways that you've hurt the other person and you wish to ask them for forgiveness. Mm. And they they get this deer in the headlights look like this is not working out like I I up at all. <laughs> But in, in doing that the next week in, in confessing the things that they've done, instead of, you know, trying to forgive, they, it's kind of, uh, you know, a, a switch-o, change-o, and they ask for forgiveness. And that seemed to really break open a lot of uh, emotional healing for couples. So, so that is, I think, a very uh, good you know, spin on the forgiveness. I think the, the, you know, 12 step, you know, think of the other person, send thoughts to the other person, pray for the other person, you know, whatever. I, I think that does essentially the same thing. It, it unfocuses person off of how I deserve 
something better and hell, you know, I'm going to give something. So this, this is kind of that altruistic gift uh, uh, way of looking at things, but it's not giving forgiveness. It's just, uh, you know, giving a blessing, if you will, to the, this person who's hurt you. So I think it's a good, a good way of unfocusing people. Great. You know, I, I, um, I realized that you just completed the second edition of the Handbook of Forgiveness. And I'm wondering if you have any updates on what the research shows. Yeah, we uh, did the first, uh, I did the uh, first edited version back 15 years ago. And so the publisher had uh, apparently sold enough copies that they asked me to do a, an updated version. And so with Congratulations. Blade, a former uh, student of mine, we did this uh, updated version. There were a lot of things that had happened in 15 years. You know, for one thing, when we did the 2005 version, there were only 1,100 studies on forgiveness. But now there are well over 4,500 studies. So uh, in 15 years, you know, the we've had four times as much research as existed in all of the whole history of forgiveness. So we've learned a lot. One of the major learnings I would say is that, um, that uh, forgiveness, and, and we've all, always known this, but forgiveness depends on the context a lot. So, if a um, if a person um, you know approaches their partner who's hurt their feelings and says you know uh, you really hurt me by saying whatever it really matters a lot what the partner does now in the first fifteen years or so of forgiveness research we just paid attention to the forgiver. But in this last 15 years, and what looks like it's gonna happen more and more in the future, is to start looking at what the offender does. You know, does the offender get hard and defensive, or does the offender apologize? Does the person give a good apology or kind of a weak apology, a kind of a Richard Nixon, yeah, apology, or, uh, you know, one of the Bill Clinton apologies about, yeah, well, I'm sorry about that. And that didn't work too well for him. So he apologized much better the second time. But, um, but how the person reacts to that reproach, uh, that ask of, can you tell me, can you help me understand what went on that you hurt my feelings? That's going to matter. The whole uh, surround matters. Does the person feel guilty? Does the, is the person able to forgive himself or herself for the offense? So there's a lot more attention onto the person who did the harm in addition to the person who is forgiving the harm. So that was, I think, one of the things that was most consistent. About one-third of all the reviewers that reviewed the literature in their area mentioned how their field was shifting toward understanding more the context. In terms of uh, interventions to help people forgive, um, 
pretty much there, there are two major interventions. One is that reach forgiveness model of mine, and the other is Bob Enright's process model. Um, people are not putting forth very many new forgiveness models because those two seem to work well. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, so you maybe the market. <laughs> what's that? You cornered the market. It, well, <laughs> that can be good and bad, but because it does kind of make people, uh, you know, have a tunnel vision and just think about those two. Um, whereas if somebody maybe innovated in, in a different way, we might find that they reach a whole bunch of different type of people than respond to, to either mine or, uh, or Bob Enright's model. So, so I think, you know, there's a call for some diversity in terms of, uh, in, in terms of uh, different types of interventions. And speaking of diversity, that is probably the other major shift. Uh, what happened in the first handbook we had one chapter that was about forgiveness and culture. In this handbook, there were, and and in that original study, there may have been 30 studies totally on forgiveness and culture. I did a chapter on forgiveness in Africa, and there were 99 studies that had taken place in the last 15 years. And there were also uh, a whole chapter on forgiveness in East Asia, another chapter on forgiveness in Latin America, you know, in Latino, uh, Latinx populations. Uh, so culture has become very important as this has spread really throughout the world. And, uh, you know, that's why we're excited about this uh, grant we're doing on these uh, two-hour workbooks, um, because it has definitely become more international. And I imagine that culture would have a huge impact as well. Well, Professor Worthington, I, I want to talk to you for another 45 minutes, but <laughs> I, I'm not really, I, I love what you have. You obviously are so rich in information and thank you so much for coming on the show. Yeah, well, thanks for asking. Is there anything that people can do to help you? Pardon me? Is there anything that my audience can do to help you? Spread the word. Forgive <laughs> at every opportunity. <laughs> being you know being safe in relationships but you know even if we're in a relationship that's not a safe one we can still forgive and pursue justice and safety you know which is a different uh whole arena it's a social arena instead yeah. of what happens inside but but that you know that uh i think is the best advice that i can think of